Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. Uh, this is episode number 53. And um, joining me today <laughs> is Nancy Ascona. Hello, hello. Yes. Glad to be here. <laughs> for sure. Thanks for, yeah, happy to have you. Of course. It was a long time coming. I'm very glad that we finally got here. <laughs> it's been a bit. It's been a bit. Wrangling Los yeah. Angeles folk is... Um, yes. I'm my own worst enemy, <laughs> truly. <laughs> I hate that I have to schedule weeks in advance with friends, and then I end up also being the person that you need to schedule weeks in advance, and I dislike it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and almost for us, we had to revert to the other thing where weeks in advance wasn't working. Yes, yes. And we had to do last minute. Yes. And here we are. Thanks we for made joining it. us. <laughs> like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Ratings. I don't know. I don't usually say that, so I'll just say it now. <laughs> It's because we met during YouTube, so it just like naturally <laughs> came. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with that. Yeah. Um, I met you mm-hmm. on Smosh. Yes, we worked together on Smosh. You were, I think you were scripty at that point. Yep. Yeah, right? This is, this is an opportunity as well. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just to start there. Yeah. Um, I usually do this. This is a constant, consistent theme on the on the show. Mm-hmm. Is I normally do this little PSA for scripting. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, script supervisors mm-hmm. on in the hall on the mast mm-hmm. do not appreciate the term scripting. Oh, they don't. Uh-uh. Oh yeah. my god, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, which is why I have the PSA. I lo- I love knowing more things. Why but, Why is it a not loved term okay so historically speaking mm-hmm. um like many things there is uh okay this is a position historically speaking that has been mm-hmm. primarily a female-led position mm-hmm. um and it is also a secretarial mm-hmm. looking down on position potentially yeah by historically speaking <laughs> men in position mm-hmm. of power yeah. above them that would condense the name of script supervisor into scripty mm. use it as like a more of a demeaning cutesy yeah. you're the cute girl mm. script girl scripty it's like a cutesy nickname thing a lot of script supervisors and it's like a little bit of like a cringe. Yeah, uh, like they wince at it. It's like oh yeah. Mm. So um spreading awareness on that. Oh my god. Don't call your script supervisor scripties. Now yes. you know. So, uh, so some don't care, but you know, just uh, you know, it's similar to like most things. Yeah. It's like some some yeah. Some people don't care. Some people absolutely hate so, it. So I try to, uh, yeah, I like the term script. Mm-hmm. Script is kind of cool. Yeah, script I like supervisor that. works. Yeah. or you know, calling me Eddie or then <laughs> or your name or the name <laughs> names work too. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was script supervisor for yes. uh, Smosh. Yes. Do, should we explain what Smosh is for those that don't yeah. know? Yeah. If you uh, mm. were not on the internet or YouTube specifically in like 2008, basically, um, you probably have no idea who they are, but they were a big comedy sketch channel. Um, and they're going on, I think they just celebrated their 16th year recently or something. Maybe their 17th. I forget. Um, but yeah, we met on there. I was their executive assistant. They're still going on strong. They're still doing comedy sketches, unscripted sketches, um, 
all that jazz. So that that's basically Smosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For sure. That's Smosh. I You're know. You're welcome for the free promo. <laughs> <laughs> no, Smosh is cool. Big, yeah. big fans of what they got going on. But no, I, I remember when I first mm. landed there, it was because of Margot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I didn't know it was... I mean, this is kind of... We can talk about how you ended up there, too, just yeah. to... I don't know what we can... Yeah, there's probably <laughs> stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I was still new to LA-ish. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So when I got there, I hadn't really had the experience of meeting creatives that I had watched previously. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is like... Ian is here. <laughs> He's walking around the building right now. I am so like, yeah. like starstruck yeah. and scared. Um <laughs> I never quite got over it. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Sometimes we had like really great guests come in sometimes for just like try not to laugh and whatnot. And I'd be like, like Macaulay Culkin came in. I was like, holy shit. I was in the same room as Macaulay Culkin. And I'm not someone that like gets starstruck very often. And I think that's what made me a really great protection person in this industry. Because like I didn't genuinely care who you were i just wanted to get the job done <laughs> but macaulay Culkin is uh... <laughs> exactly but that one wow he had bunny ears it was great well it's just funny because he's like such a random like you yeah. wouldn't expect that to be uh yeah it's <laughs> like shia labeouf's here or whatever oh my god i think i would die <laughs> yeah okay so we'll, we'll firstly talk about yeah our overlap in the production mm. world because um yeah. you as okay, we're currently in January of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm if my timeline is correct, back in August of last year, yeah. you said goodbye to production. I did. Before we get into that, or I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to best talk about yeah. your experience in production. Let's just say at Smosh mm-hmm. Plus, or every, yeah. every in general, what you and then mm-hmm. why getting out. So. You're still out, right? You haven't jumped back in? I'm still out. I kind of put myself out there to do weekend gigs just because my life has become so lovely and stable that I'm like, oh, I can take on projects again, which uh, was not the case when I was in production. bandwidth, yeah. Yeah, I got the bandwidth back. Um, But yeah, uh, before Smosh, I was in reality TV and live TV. And that's kind of how I started. I started with like House Hunters and NBC Telemundo doing like their live events, the parade. And um, I got to do like, what was it? The Met Gala. And then I also got to do New Year's Eve event. I was there when Mariah Carey had her amazing little um, tiny fire, if anyone knows what that is. But Mariah Carey was great. <laughs> Loved that experience. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of got it started. Move. And in what capacities for, for those? Um, I was assisting. So NBC, I was a producer's assistant. And then House Hunters, I was a PA. Um, and then eventually found my way to the corporate world and doing a nine-to-five as a receptionist um, still in reality TV and then like two months in got promoted to be a development coordinator um, so that's when I moved to LA I moved to LA in 2017 um, did freelancing for a little bit and then got the nine-to-five job at Authentic Entertainment and had been in nine-to-fives ever since so I got out of the freelance game pretty quickly because I feel like that's always that's always a goal sometimes. It's either one or the other. You either want to be in a stable nine to five or you want to be freelance because you get to work on like cool different projects or something. Right. Um, the illusion yeah. of choice. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but I I got I got into reality TV and stayed there for a bit. Was a development coordinator, transitioned to another company as an executive assistant, and then um, from that company is when I actually transitioned into Smosh as an executive assistant. So that was around 2018, 2019. And if I recall correctly. Cause we didn't we didn't interact too too much mm-hmm. on Smosh because it was normally like production weeks that I would be in and we're shooting and yeah. you know whatever. But I do believe I was talking to you about how you got there and mm-hmm. you had mentioned that you were interviewing and you didn't even yeah. they kind of said <laughs> yeah it's not like a it wasn't like a <laughs> prank or anything but it was like I did kind of get pranked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you wanna you wanna tell the story? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> Um, so there is a Facebook page on, um, Facebook called (laughs) Awesome Assistants. Um, and it's kind of how assistants gather, like, information for each other and also post jobs for each other. Um, so I was on there and one of the assistants from Mythical Side had posted that they were looking for an EA. And at that point I was looking for a job too. Um, and I said, fuck it, let me apply, let me see if I can do this. And they had posed it as if it was going to be for Mythical Entertainment. So that's Rhett and Link's company, Good Mythical Morning, all that jazz. So I had studied because I had not watched Good Mythical Morning. I know there's a lot of people there that uh, like were fans before they were co- like working their employees. Um, but I don't remember them from the internet age of 2008. Um, so I did my research. I saw that they were on Jimmy Fallon. They were doing TV. Like I went and prepared. I get to the interview. I sit there and um, Jenna, who was the person that originally posted the job posting, um, was just like, actually, your interview is going to be over here. So we go to the 727 side. Um, and... <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I'm getting dragged around. <laughs> so you were so you were sitting in the mythical yeah. space mm-hmm. and then they took you out of that space when you already showed up. Yes. Okay. To a different building. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> this is how I die. Um no, but uh basically as we were walking to what it was the Smosh side, um, she she was like, you're actually going to be interviewing for Smosh. And I was like, well, dang, I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> this I did not study for this test, study for a different test. Right. Um, and I interviewed with um, the then, there were like two VPs that are no longer there, but interviewed with them and also Ian, um, which I was shocked because I, I hadn't seen Smosh in ages at that point, but his face was very familiar to me. So I was like, who, who are you? I know you're famous in a capacity, but I don't remember your name. Um, but so th- that was cool. I just interviewed with them. It was really great. I, I kind of vibed very well with all of them. I told them about my reality TV experience. Um, it said some really funny words <laughs> that um, somehow landed me the job. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was during the time. I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about Sposh specifically. Yeah. But I think they were, they were going through that transitional phase where they were just newly acquired by Mythical. Yes. So it's, Yeah. It was still mm-hmm. under the Mythical umbrella. Yeah, yeah. Everything was a secret at that point. Even when I was having my interview, they wanted me to keep it under the wraps because... 
and nothing was like finalized, but things were in the works to be finalized. You know, they had just acquired that part of the office. Um, they were getting employees at that point. They were like staffing up at that point, basically. Um, so nothing was final. And it wasn't until I think a month in that I was actually working with them that they made the announcement. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, mm-hmm. so you got pranked, you got the job anyway. I got pranked, I got That's the job. awesome. <laughs> okay, yeah, and you were there for two years. Two years, maybe two years and like change. Yeah. Okay. Where do you want to go from that? Do we do we is there stuff there cuz I know you worked there in different capacities yes. as well. I believe Margot left what during your thing and you kind of yeah. took her over her position is that kind of I, how it I I basically so I started as an executive assistant um, to all the VPs, and that was great. I loved everyone that I worked with. Um, I think it's very rare when you're an assistant that you like like your bosses. <laughs> um, and having worked as an assistant in many capacities at that point, I it felt very nice to have like a place where you felt like a person and not just like a, another cog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite unfamiliar with the assistant mm. life. Yes. Cause I know executive assistant, executive assistanting. That's not a word. <laughs> Being an executive assistant is mm. almost like a pretty full fledged career path for yes. certain people. Yeah. I've met a handful of them, but I don't mm. know the lifestyle. I don't know the dynamics. Yeah. I don't know the plan of attack yeah. on on how, what that ladder <laughs> looks like um, yeah can we i don't know yeah. can we talk about that one absolutely more? um so i never thought i was going to be an executive assistant because i hated tending to people i'm good at it I'm like i'm a nurturer like innately i think but i like the thought of executive assisting was just like oh mm-hmm. uh, you have to like go through all this bullshit and like i don't want to deal with it so because when I was a development coordinator, my boss was amazing. She was a mentor for me for a very long time. Um, she was the showrunner for Honey Boo Boo, and she's amazing. I love her still to this day. I think she's a, an amazing. Is, is Honey Boo Boo still? A thing? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But I also don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I felt like I lucked out having my first boss being so kind and so gracious with how she treated me. Um, and then I kind of got a harsher reality with my second assisting job. Um, they were still amazing people and I really appreciate everything I learned from them, but they were definitely harder people to work for. Um, and then ended up at Smosh assisting for them. So basically the way that I look, um, assisting as executive assistant specifically Mm -hmm. is, um, you're kind of like a mother to these people because I, I I compare it by motherly tasks you make sure that they eat, so you make sure they get their lunches, that they're well-fed, that they can, like, function as a human being. You make sure they study for their tests. You make sure that they're study up on their meetings, making sure they know who's going to be there, what they're going to be talking about, making sure that they have their decks in order, all that. Um, and then you make sure that uh, they get to school on time. You make sure they leave the office in time for any outside meetings. You make sure that the people that are going to come into the office are going to be there in time and you're confirmed and everything. So I compare it to like you're a mother <laughs> to yeah, these people. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's kind of, it still rings true to me. Um, professional executive assistants, I don't know how they do it because there's not much more than like, you are tending to a person, which is fine. People like that. Um, and I enjoy that, but not in a professional capacity. Right. Like I don't want to be having to tend to someone all the time. 
Yeah, and if we think about, okay, I'm thinking about you, you equate it to being a mother. Mm-hmm. I think about how, okay, because you said like you were treated in at different capacities depending on on the dynamics could be different. I'm yeah. like, well, that makes sense because people have a spectrum of how they handle their own mothers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some <laughs> deeply respect what's being given to them, and yeah. others talk back yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and complain to their moms for not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I like I said, every job, I'm a big believer that I was in the right place at the right time all the time, um, which sounds like scary when like you have really shitty things happen to you. Mm-hmm. You're just like, well, did I need that? I don't think people need to suffer. That's my thing. I don't think people need to suffer. But I think with my career, I think everything led me to the place that I needed to get to um, career-wise. So even when I was assisting in the job that I didn't enjoy that much, it ended up me at Smosh, um, which to this day I think was one of the best work experiences I had outside of professional because it's the job that progressed me from assisting to uh, production coordinating. Mm. Um, But also I made some of my best friends at Smosh. Like I still talk to Margot this day. My roommate is someone that I lived with uh, or worked with at Smosh. Um, my best friend currently. Lived with at Smosh. Yeah, <laughs> lived with at Smosh. I mean, we basically did at one point. Um, my best friend met her at Smosh. Um, so yeah, I, I give a lot of thanks to working at Smosh and what led me to Smosh because it's given me so many things beyond work, so... I appreciate it. Great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So getting into the production coordinating, I forget when you said your goodbyes to Smosh and then Mm -hmm. you moved into freelance production coordinating life. Yeah. So I became a production coordinator at Smosh at the beginning of 2020. So we basically ended our reviews and got I got the promotion at the end of 2019, moved into um, production coordinator beginning of 2020. Um, and that was really cool. I was still working with Margot at the beginning of that year. And then she ended up going into freelance after I think that first month too. Um, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> And then we know we know what happened from yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, beginning to learn how to be a coordinator during a pandemic is intense because everything that everyone knew is out of the windows. So no one can even teach you properly how to be a coordinator during these crazy times. So you're learning by yourself. I mean, I think a lot of that's a lot of jobs in general where you're like learning on the job, but in this capacity, I was very much like learning what it was to be a coordinator in a pandemic i mean the world was learning the world was learning <laughs> to be a person it's like just refreshing the cdc page <laughs> and uh yeah. Yeah. seeing what the latest things are yeah mask or no mask what do i do um yeah because okay i guess for additional context potentially mm-hmm. um smosh is again youtube channel yes they rely and exist based off consistent output content wise so there's always a consistent churn of new material with the pandemic hitting and production coming to a halt that means the channel could potentially die yes um so it's your job (laughs) to keep it up yeah i think to find the way yeah and i think a lot of people um felt like this but 
a lot of people in production didn't stop the people that had those consistent nine to fives. And it's a weird, it was a weird line to tread of being grateful and thankful that you didn't have to know where your next paycheck was coming, whether you knew you were going to have a roof over your head, all that jazz. And also very much knowing that you were working while the world was mourning. So it was like weird. Mm -hmm. It was a weird time. Um, It definitely took a toll on me. It took a toll on a lot of people I knew. Um, Not only during the pandemic were we working, but 2020 was when the BLM um, protests began too. So as a a Latin woman and and being a part of that community as well, um, it was... It was tough. It was just really hard. 2020 was really hard. And I think 2021 was even harder somehow, some way. Um, but <laughs> it, it was weird. It was weird. And like, I have no words to really describe what it was to work in production in 2020 than it being very, very odd. Most definitely. <laughs> okay. So let's fast forward to, uh, I, I, I want to, I'm curious. Okay. There's a lot of things to kind of break down on um, the, let's just call it the career change or the uh, departure from um, full-time pursuit on the production life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just, yeah. Yeah. What was the, yeah, how, okay. Yes, that's a question. question. That is a question. Um, So I was... Like I said, Smosh for two years. Um, when 2021 began, um, I was just pursuing other production opportunities. I felt like I wasn't going to grow the way that I wanted to at Smosh, which is fine. That's completely fine. But I wanted to keep progressing my career. And I knew that either I was going to wait for that at Smosh or I was going to continue. Um, and I'm an impatient person. Sure. <laughs> so I was like, let me just seek... Um, and I actually ended up um, seeing one of my, uh, the first person that I actually worked with out here at, in LA at Authentic Entertainment had posted a job posting for a production coordinator at Sawhorse, um, which is a more commercial branded company. Um, I did a ton of commercial and live Zoom events through there and it was really cool. Um, but I saw that posting and I had just contacted my uh, friend at the time and said, hey, I'm interested. And she was like, oh, my God, yes, I would love you here. I didn't know you were looking. And I was like, I don't know. I was looking either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically at the end of January, I left Smosh and entered Sawhorse. And that was also a really cool, great learning opportunity because it was commercial. So I was kind of starting where I began with live television, with the fast pacedness of it all. Um, But it was, again, a lot. It was a different, I was still working during the pandemic as a production coordinator. Mm -hmm. Um, Things were still very uncertain at that time. Um, When I had transitioned, vaccines weren't even being doled out just yet. Um, So it it was an interesting transition, but in my mind, I did it to progress my career, basically. Yeah. And then, (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah. Uh, getting to, I guess, uh, potentially fast forwarding to, um, the transition out, I Mm -hmm. guess is the thing. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, yes. 
That's not a question again. The question <laughs> is, so why why leave production? Production is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. What well, is there was there something else in the back of your mind that you wanted to pursue instead? Even though you were even though you were kind of climbing and getting getting the experience having these wonderful times. Mm-hmm. Was is there a dream from childhood? Is there like another thing that you wanted to pursue that this was a whole detour from the beginning or what? Mm-hmm. How did how was how was that processed? Well, I, so the the way that I got in production in general is that I had like a radio and broadcasting class in high school. I had the opportunity to do that in high school. And originally I actually wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon, very specific. And that was like my career. And then I got that one broadcasting class and I was like, fuck it. I want to work with cameras. <laughs> um, so I graduated high school early and started college early. So from 17 until... 26, I had been working my way into production, started college, was in a radio and TV program, transferred to Emerson. So for almost 10 years, I was actively working in entertainment, whether it be um, in a scholastic way or in a professional way. And then, you know, during the pandemic, I was antsy. I was just like, I'm not getting where I want to be getting. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being um, respected or getting the opportunities I should be getting. Um, And then what ended up happening was in 2021, in like March, I had a a kind of a triggering dream um, from a past experience. And it kind of catapults me into a very bad depression Mm. like for four months four to five months so I was like not a person for four to five months in 2021 yeah okay a couple of things yes where okay I am curious to know more about the dream Mm -hmm. um about where you want to be that again like Mm. what you're working toward yes um, and then curious on uh, if the production life somehow led to putting yourself in or putting the brain in like a mental state where, mm-hmm. where it was kind of being set up yeah. to have this reaction. Yeah. Um, how does that all play? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my dream was, ah. no, that's okay. My dream was production for a very long time. I mean, my dream was to work in entertainment and be successful entertainment. I think, you know, some people have goals of like, I want to um, like have a Emmy award winning show or yeah, yeah like th- these like lofty goals. And my goal, my like very main goal working in production, being who I was coming from the background that I came from. Um, was to get to a successful place without needing to step on someone or needing to mm-hmm. um, basically harm anyone during. I want to go, basically get, become successful and... And be a good person. And be a good person, <laughs> which is very possible in the industry, but I didn't have many examples of that. Okay. So when you say be successful, aside from the good person thing... <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. So as far as being successful, do you, uh, I, I guess, is it, are you wanting to produce, you want to be a producer? Is that Yeah. Is that the... So that was like the ultimate goal when I, okay. when I finally found my track in production, basically, um, I wanted to become a production manager to then eventually be a producer. Gotcha. Um, 
And yeah, like I said, I hadn't had many examples up until like two, three years ago of like people that were successful and successful in the way of just like they're getting jobs, they're getting called back, people like working with them um, and they produce really cool things. Um, Awards aside, they're just they have a good crew and they're able to produce and execute a really great shoot. Um, and and they treat people well. And they treat people, people well. People like them. Yeah. Okay. Can we? All right. I don't know. I feel like I'm detouring a lot here. It's okay. But uh, I I'm curious to hear more about um these examples of success. Air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know why it's air, I'm where, I'm where I'm air quoting that. I <laughs> well, guess success it, is su- different for everyone, I right? guess air quote success because they're mm-hmm. doing it in a way of maybe mm-hmm. they're not being nice, they're not mm-hmm. being kind or whatever. So yeah. I'm like, is it, is that, uh, yeah. you know, is that the thing? Yeah. Um, how, so prior, okay, prior to meeting those people that were actually like, um, what's it, what, what, what would you call it? Uh hmm. The ones that influence you in a way, mentor, not a mentor, mm-hmm. but like. Kind of mentor-y, right? Positive influences. Like when you're a kid, <laughs> you look up to athletes. What does, what's that thing called? Like you, <laughs> kid, like, like when you're a kid, you're like, I look up to, so well, there's a word I'm looking there's, for. There's a specific, it's not for, coming to me it. either. Forget <laughs> it. The, so the, the point is you have examples of people mm-hmm. in power that yeah. potentially assisting for or in that sphere. Mm-hmm. How come there weren't examples of nice people i don't know how does that how does that work what's Hmm. based on your experience i suppose well i had one again there wasn't many examples of people that looked like me so i didn't have many um like brown women queer women to like look up to to be in this specific world of production um i I saw women, like women I saw a ton of, but I never saw women that looked like me. Um, So that was like a big main thing where I'm just like, you can come from like a first gen background and you can be successful and get to the places you want to. Um, I don't, I don't know why there weren't examples. I think reality TV is a monster in itself. Mm. If you've ever worked in unscripted, um, it is, it's kind of all a political chess game. Like the the background of it feels very chess gamey. Like every move is done for a reason. There's so many conversations that, you know, lead to the decisions that are made. Um, and sometimes they're not the most savory decisions. Um, and I think that's why some people either hate reality TV because they're just like, it's dumb and it's all fake, which like some of it is fake, but some of them, it, some of those conversations are very real and they get there for a very, very real reason. Um and I think working reality TV definitely, uh, you either love it or hate working in it. Like it, it provides jobs, reality TV. I could have stayed in reality TV and really continued my career there because it's so easy to work in reality TV. There's just so an abundance of jobs in reality TV. Um, but again, not the most savory decisions are made, whether it be for the show or behind the show or anything. Um, and, and not to get into like what my experience was like transitioning out of reality TV too much, but, you know, basically I was um, let go f- because of, of a management change um, and I was 
I thought I was a really great worker at least. Um, and instead of um, my other coworkers and higher ups helping me probably find a job to like, cause I'm, I don't have a trust fund. Like I didn't have savings. I was sure. <laughs> like, I, I definitely was living paycheck to paycheck. So I was just like, I need a job. And, um, people that I had thought and that had their like best or my best interest for them that, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, ended up just like, not caring just like not caring about me at all and that was devastating because I thought I was making like real connections at that point and I was basically told like no figure it out and instead um and not no like ill will against um this person but instead of trying to find me a job to stay there they ended up like promoting my PA who ended up just happening to be like a white guy. So I was just like, oh, okay. I don't know how Good they culture. like let go of the two like um, brown women at the company and promoted like two, uh, two executive assistants that just happened to be brown women and it promoted this like white guy. Couple straight white dudes. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, um, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> I did feel hurt. I felt very hurt. Um, so that's like a personal experience in reality TV that kind of led me to have like a sour taste in my mouth about how people were treated in the industry. I guess, okay, the reason I, I guess I'm digging into that specific thing is because like I'm in the creative space, of course, as well. Mm -hmm. And I also, I don't know about how, how producing technically Mm -hmm. it plays in my dreamscape. I normally, Mm because my dream is directing. Yeah. And I, for instance, I write stuff so I can direct mm-hmm. the thing. So yeah. I have something to direct and I'll mm-hmm. produce stuff. So that way I put myself in a position to direct yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. But like I produce a lot. And I know I've had the criticisms as well. where like, Eddie, you're too nice of a guy. You're not going to make <laughs> it in this industry. You're yeah. not going to you're not going to get to the next level because like you just treat people too nice. <laughs> you care too much. You're not uh. going to like it's almost like as a half joke kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like. Like, no, I'm, I'm here to do yeah. what you're saying you thought you were doing in terms of, like, on the receiving end of yeah. it. Yeah. Where when I have Nancy working mm-hmm. as a production coordinator or whatever, mm-hmm. like, I want, like, you're there for a reason. Yeah. And it's like, we jive, jives mm-hmm. out of work. Yeah, jives. We vibe. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like, the work you do and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And we're on the yeah. same page about that, hopefully. It's yeah. like, I'm here because I'm doing a great job mm-hmm. versus who knows. Yeah whatever other reason um so then i'm like how i don't know because i'm in the same thing it's like i'm here to be kind <laughs> and empathetic and uh care about those that are um being collaborators in that whole the mm-hmm. whole process of making this stuff so yeah. i'm just like Wait, do I have to be mean? What well, give me examples of how I can be to elevate? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no. Well, that that's my thing. As like you know, as someone that knew that like um, a lot of places, especially in entertainment, wasn't built for people like me. People that didn't have connections and didn't like you know just do whatever they needed to do to get to the places. Like I hated the traditional networking, right? Like, hey, like schmooze up to this one dude that could potentially get you a job in like I don't know 
five months or like five years. I didn't, I never called people. For, oh, that's like the assistant executive yeah, life. Is it, that what you're saying? Well, yeah, there's that. And then like, I think my, th- in school, there were just like network, like just reach out to that person, which I think you should reach out to people for mentorship and like right. maybe advice and everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think um, what I was seeing amongst my peers was that they were kind of just keeping people in their close circles um for an opportunity as opposed to friendship um which sucked um and I never like I didn't really associate with those people very closely and people that I did end up doing shoots with were my actual friends and like you said because we vibed so well we had such successful shoots and it was fun to be on set Mm -hmm. because you're not you always hear this, but you're not brain surgeons when you're entertainment, you're making something. It should be fun. Um, instead of like, I'm pulling my hair out at hour 16. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a thought in there. (laughs) I forgot what it was. (laughs) That's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a difference of being kind to your crew members. Oh, I remember what it is. There there you go. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I was just killing time. I was going to say that you can kind of smell out the inauthenticity. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if that's a skill that's learned or if Mm. it's just, or if it's just like innate or if it's just being aware of it and looking for it. If, if you're in the wrong mind space of, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a creative that's going somewhere and uh, people want to work with me and I'm awesome. And <laughs> um, I'm just going to also just be using people. Like if you're yeah. in that, that kind of negative energy mind space, yeah. that's kind of how I'll describe it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you're probably not going to catch on to other people in that same vein where you kind of just yeah. link up to each other and use each other. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's great. It's like, we're both <laughs> doing the same thing. Yeah. We're just <laughs> stepping on each other to get to the next stop versus yeah. lifting each other up. Yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I can definitely feel a difference in interactions Absolutely. between people that I'm like, wait, are we, are you like, you can, uh, it's, yeah, no, Quite, yeah. I think if um, you have to be very comfortable in yourself and authentic, like you real with yourself, I think to have that intuition to be like, mm, there's something off here. And like some, I, I do that with just like people that I interact with sometimes. And I just tell like my best friend, like, there was something off there. I don't like it. And she was just like, what? <laughs> just It's been like two seconds. And I'm like, I don't know. I just like didn't feel great. And then I, ha- I have another friend, Jesse, who I've like done that with a few times where I'm like, Jesse, I didn't really care for that person. Or like, I didn't, I don't know. I don't yeah. really care for those conversations. And he'll tell me like a couple months later, like, yeah, you were kind of right about that. How did you know? I was like, oh, I just felt it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like little tiny things. Like mm-hmm. if it's an in-person interaction, like just the classic little eye mm-hmm. contact yeah. or you're mm-hmm. talking at me, but not to me, or yeah. you're not actually answering the question. I don't know. Just yeah. little things, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I forget where we were. We in the timeline of things. Um, we were, I just transitioned out of Smosh into Sawhorse. Um, but still wasn't loving what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the depression hit. <laughs> yeah, so so depression comes and that eventually leads to you diagnose. I mean, there's tons of diagnosis work I'm sure you're doing during that time, mm-hmm. uh, which eventually led to your August uh, announcement mm-hmm. of uh, leaving. Pardon. So 
I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. I think it's intense when you uh, work for something for 10 years and then you're just like, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I actually have no idea what I'm going to do next. Okay. So <laughs> I do kind of know. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me pinpoint a couple of things that you mentioned in your initial post. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about hustle mentality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was something you specifically called out uh, that was potentially... Highly likely, <laughs> yeah. uh, a thing that was bad. Jeez, yeah. Eddie, <laughs> use words, man. I just gave up there. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, I think I, growing up, I was just like, you have to work hard. You have to work hard. Um, my mom, like I said, being an immigrant, came here and worked her ass off, and kind of. My mom didn't want me to work nearly as hard as she did because she works still to this day incredibly hard. Um, so, but she knew that I needed to work. But I saw the only example I had of working hard was my mom. So I was like, work equally as hard in a different like world, but work as hard. So I think you, in in that way, and I think our society too, we're just told to like, if you work super hard, you will get to where you need to. And that's not true always. Like, and I think entertainment is actually a really great example of that, of just like, it. sometimes it really is just good timing. Like you just meet the right person at the right time and you gain the success that yeah, you might. Luck. Luck yeah, is luck. Yeah, luck is a place in it. Um, so yeah, I think <clears throat> having that like um, mentality of work, 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 um, one was incredibly detrimental to my mental health where I'm just like I'm working but I'm seeing no results or like I'm I'm um I'm trying my hardest and I'm putting myself out there and I'm working with the people that I want to but I'm not progressing in the way that I think I should yeah Um, can you talk about the hours too yeah yeah I mean um production is usually especially if you're on shoots minimum a 12-hour day um and when you're in the office prepping easily a 10-hour day so your weeks are every day is between a 10 to 12-hour day and that does not include rap as you know um so really it's anywhere between a 10 to 14 to 16 hour day depending whether you're traveling you're rapping yourself and like i'm never gonna usually let my crew just rap by themselves like i like you know, I think that's a big part of production where you're just like, you can sit back because technically you don't have to help if you're like a coordinator or a manager because you have your PAs and your crew to do that. But it feels a little nasty (laughs) to like just watch your crew load this truck up after like everyone was here at the same amount working probably just as hard. Um, So I would, I would help wrap up and put things in trucks whenever I could too. Um, so yeah, it, it was just really long days. And if you, I'm, I'm a creative person outside of my nine to five. So production isn't the most creative job on sets. You're, it's a lot of logistics. You're making sure that mm-hmm. things are being executed correctly. But outside of production, I am a poet and I'm a ceramicist and I'm a writer. Um, so during my production era, um, I just kind of let everything to the wayside, um, and didn't work nearly as hard as I wanted to on those things. Cause I just simply did not have time. Um, and that kind of carried on in 2021 when I decided to release my poetry book, self-published book, um, 
when I was at Smosh, I had a plan as to how I was going to take time and release the book and everything. But then I got a new job and that plan went out of the window and it was incredibly difficult to self-publish that book. <laughs> but you did. But I did it. <laughs> it's there. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, we'll have links to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's it called? Um, it's called Corazón de Seda or in English, Silk Heart. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So long hours. And then you kind of mentioned the grind of putting a lot of work in and not seeing the results mm. um, or the growth. I mean, you also mm. did kind of half joke about the impatience. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, impatient. So <laughs> I know half of it was me, but half of it was just like, why am I still in this like yeah. PA feeling yeah. position? Because, <laughs> I mean, that's something that I've heard from... Um, or that I've wondered about the executive assistant kind mm. of stuff too. Cause I've, again, I just cleared three years of LA living mm -hmm. and I know when I first moved here and I was making my first movie and stuff and I was trying to get help, producer help yeah. and stuff. And I talked to people that were wanting to elevate to the producer level mm -hmm. uh, at the time we're at, uh, working as a executive assistants or produ pr producer assistants, yeah. showrunner assistants, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and they had like mentioned that they'd been there for like three, four, five years. And I'm like, how, like, I've been here for three months and I'm producing my first feature. How are yeah. you? Like, so I get the, yeah. I mean, I'm an impatient. Well, yeah. Well, plus I'm <laughs> old too. I moved here. I moved here old and I started late. <laughs> you started. I'm <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, no, I, I get that. I, I don't understand it either. Cause I've, you know, being an EA, I I'm not old. <laughs> I was just like, I don't think you're old, but you know, you claim your titles. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's not, yeah. um, no, but I, I had worked with executive assistants too that were assisting for three, four, five, ten years. And I'm like, and I would have assistants come to me being like, oh, I want to do this. I want to be like a, a post supervisor or I want to be a producer or I want to be a showrunner. And I'm like, I think I think the other thing is that when you're in those EA positions, especially depending on who you're assisting, I think you have this um, secret promise that if you just stay with them long enough, that they're going to help you break into what you want, um, which yeah. is either um, unspoken or spoken. Because I know a lot of people that have spoken that with their um, like CEO or VP or whatever, and they're they're kind of given empty promises of just like, yeah, we'll get you the, to that position. I've and heard that. It doesn't happen for them. Cause like I've, I've talked to people that are in the show, a show, a showrunner's assistant mm -hmm. where the previous assistant is now in the writer's room mm -hmm. or like, it's like, there's the direct like that. Yeah. There's proven right in front of me <laughs> that that person was in my position. So therefore, I should be getting yeah. the same thing essentially at some yeah. point, right? And then it's it, maybe it doesn't happen. It does happen sometimes. I think it really, it really depends on your relationship with said um, supervisor. Um, and I think you also have to be honest with yourself. I think if it's five years and for three of those five years, you have been discussing, hey, I want to move into this position and it's not happening. It's probably because you're a really great assistant and they don't want to look for someone else, to be quite or, honest. Or 
you're not that good of a writer. Or so you're not that good of a writer. You show them your samples and they said, mm, I love them and I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Well, if okay. you have a good supervisor, you're going to have someone that's going to... I think there is a fine line of being an asshole and just being mean with someone's criticism and being honest and being like, hey, this could be better and you're just not there yet. I've had those conversations with myself too. With yourself? With, with like people with me. <laughs> I, I like, mean, with myself also, like I'm very mean to myself when it comes to my work, but people have sat with me being like, it could be better. Yeah, that's something I wish, uh, it's hard. Those mm-hmm. conversations are difficult. Oh, absolutely. I kind of wish they happened more often. They need to. Yeah. Absolutely. Because um, I think about like directing too. It's hard to, <clears throat> again, if you're like let's just say mm-hmm. in this, the limited circumstances that i have had yeah. where i'm a producer director and i'm bringing on crew yeah nobody's gonna come up to me and be like yeah hey can you do this better <laughs> hey that thing you could communicate a little bit so i mean ideally they do, do i mean that. you you have a rock star ad that's who you have like your right hand man your ad is someone that i think can easily be like hey <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> i yeah and i see it on set a lot where that doesn't happen but i w- i so i thought i was going to be an ad like my beginning career things i thought i was going to be an ad because that's what i was doing in live television mm-hmm. and i really liked it um and i've worked with friends closely where i'm just like hey your gaffer is on one and you need to get them together because i'm not dealing with it anymore <laughs> yeah um i'm very comfortable like i'm very comfortable with being like hey <laughs> Yeah. I'm not trying to step over your toes, but what, are, what what's happening here? It's like a teaching moment, potentially. Yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean, it depends on how you take it. I think I've had very interesting um, interactions with directors as an AD where I'm just like, oh, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. So I'm just not going to, I'm going to stay away from it. And then I've had other interactions with directors where they respect me as their AD and they're just like, oh, okay. I didn't see it like that. Like, think, yeah. Okay, cool. Do you have, do you have an example of a uh, scenario? Oh, yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I hear one? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my first real paying AD gig was in New York, actually, for a music video. Um, and it was last minute. I didn't know then that because of how last minute and chaotic it was, that it was probably all going to be very, very chaotic. Um, but I was just like, great, first paying gig. I think I was getting paid like DGA rate at that too. So it was just like nice. nice. I think that's good, right? Yeah, that's know. money for someone that just graduated. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, but yeah, when I got to set, I did not know there was a dance sequence. I did not know that they wanted to shoot everything before sundown. They had not rehearsed this dance sequence. And I was not allowed to talk to the director. I was only allowed to talk to the DP. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this was not, this is not technically an example. This is not an example of mm-hmm. you having a conversation with the director to teach them. No, this okay. is, I couldn't even talk to the director to help them. <laughs> That's, Yeah. Advice to directors. I'm just kidding. I'm just, what? <laughs> Don't. Because, I mean, I've been in that situation as a script supervisor, mm-hmm. too. It's, yeah. not, it's only happened, like, once. And it was on yeah. a student film. So yeah. So, I'm like, really, dude? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm the one with experience here. Yeah, what's and happening? I can't, and you're, I can't, <laughs> I can't talk. It's weird. It's, it's a weird experience. But, yeah, like, I couldn't, it had gotten so off the rails, um, 
that by the time that I was still like keeping time, the DP like just very bluntly was just like, there's no use. You can just shut up basically now. And I was like, okay, I'm done. You're going to pay me my $600 for today and I'm not going to do anything else for today because that was so rude. <laughs> that was so rude and so yeah. disrespectful. Like it wasn't like a help. They didn't say it in a helpful way. No, I, I have your back. Maybe, maybe let's both step back and just let this thing crumble. Like yeah, yeah, that would. It yeah. was very much just like you're not helping anymore, and I was just like, okay, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not helping anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It was a tough shoot. Um, God, yeah. I don't miss AD. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I don't miss it though. Yeah, don't don't be an AD. <laughs> don't, don't don't be an AD. Don't do that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need that. Okay, so we're talking hustle mentality. Mm-hmm. You mentioned. Uh, I'm just looking at notes here. Yeah, you talked. Fine. You talked briefly about um, the college experience, mm-hmm. and that this was something that you pursued. Very. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your writing. Yeah. I guess <laughs> we're here now. <laughs> we're here now, um, and maybe we'll jump. We'll probably jump into production at some point again too. Mm. But okay, so writer is a uh, broad term. Mm-hmm. So let's hyper focus. You did mention that there's poetry, mm-hmm. poet. Yes. <laughs> Start at the basics here. <laughs> Definitions. I am poet. <laughs> um, so there's poetry you did mm-hmm. mention. Uh, you're, do you fiction write too? Is that a novel? Uh, that no, I do prose writing, which um, is like a, like poetry in a different font. <laughs> it feels like a little bit. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like my poetry turns into prose, which I should be better at oh, that okay, because okay. I, I write into prose sometimes too. Um, and then I'm a writer in the article sense. Um, I don't, gotcha. I don't, um, write fictionally. I wish my brain could tell stories like that because I think it's such a great muscle to have. My brain's not there. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. write from personal experience quite a bit and research. I love research based, um, articles too, but, um, I write mainly for this publication called Mixed Mag. And I write mainly um, mental health uh, and wellness articles, as well as some industry-focused interviews that I write. So, yeah. Okay. Um, how, um, basic question, mm-hmm. when did you, how long have you been writing? <laughs> um, um, when when yeah. did this start? When, yeah, we're... Mm. Pre-focus, post-focus. Mm. I'm curious on when that line hit and for that sure. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it feels like I've been writing poetry for most of my life. Like I think the first memory actually was so when I worked at Smosh, I like looked up my name often to make sure that I didn't have weird uh, like people. Like you're talking about googling yourself. Like go- I, yeah, Google. I googled myself uh, like every like six months to make sure that my information wasn't out there. Because I I don't know if you know, but there's a website that like have your email and your phone number and like people can pay to see that information. I didn't want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't want that at all. Um, so I would Google myself like every six months to make sure that there wasn't a new website that had my information that people could buy. Um, so one in one of these Googles, I researched my name and I saw that there was a news12.com article that had my name in it. And I was like, when did I, 
when was I news 12? News 12 is Long Island's like news source. Um, and I was like, when, what did I do for news 12? It was like when I was in seventh grade, I had written a piece that was like on <laughs> this, this like local news website. So I guess my first memory of me writing is from this news article. <laughs> and you're not from Long Island. I am from Long okay, Island. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, are you from LA? And it was somehow picked up in Long Island. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. no gotcha, I'm, I'm gotcha. born and raised um uh, in on Long Island, and yeah. So it was just interesting to see that I had this like article that I had. I don't even remember like speaking about. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so for all you know, it's real. Yeah, it exists. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I had been writing as long as I can remember okay. poetry specifically. I think I remember I started writing at like 12, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't start seriously writing poetry, like actually learning the craft and like experimenting with it until I was in college in 2015. Um, that's when I started like looking at spoken word a little bit more seriously and, really fell in love with it quite a bit and that's when I like decided that I wanted to write poetry seriously in like 2015. Did you uh have you explored the spoken word? Uh I have. Great. <laughs> How's that? It's fun. Um the first time I ever done spoken word was in college um and then I think that was like my beginning college like 2012 2013 is when I uh like did a random spoken word with a friend's like uh, event and then nearly like 10 years later I did my first in-person spoken word last summer um, for a queer collaborative um, group called Cuties LA they had something called uh, queer poetry at sunset and it was at this beautiful location and I performed performed my first time in person um, then, but before then, I was doing spoken word on um, IGTV for, okay, okay. for um, uh, the Poetry Lounge, which is located in LA. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, um, what's the other app that you can listen to people on? Uh, <laughs> geez, TikTok? It's called... <laughs> Uh, Clubhouse. Oh, Clubhouse. I no, I know. My friend My friend suggested that I do it on Clubhouse, too, and I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't need Clubhouse. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good with the Clubhouse. Ha- ran- kind of random question, but mm-hmm. did you ever see uh, the movie called Summertime? No. Um, I had a poet on the podcast before. His nice. name's Tyrus Winter. Nice. Um, shout out to that episode uh but he was a part of this movie called summertime Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like an indie i think a sundance darling kind of thing and they highlighted a bunch of la spoken word artists Mm. and so it was and like tyrus isn't an actor but Mm -hmm. got to play a role like almost like a leads a lead supporting yeah uh, and perform and that kind of got him into acting and stuff but but that's super cool i'm gonna have to look that up i really like that the the trailer is super cool (laughs) oh i'm gonna yeah summertime we'll try to remember that put in my brain (laughs) yeah we'll see okay um so where so you mentioned you kind of come mostly for this is on you write from uh, experience. from experience, mm-hmm. and it's not fictionalized. It's mm-hmm. more. Um, how do you how do you how do you describe that? Pro- like how does that how <laughs> the does process? It, how, how do you yeah? <laughs> what, 
what is it? Okay. This is super basic, lame question. That's fine. What do people often misunderstand about poetry mm-hmm. and what you're actually doing and what, what you're putting in this in, in your book or otherwise mm. where there's this confusion of like an expectation of what they're going to get versus the thing that you're actually doing. Yeah. I think I've had a few people who very much love me and support me. So the reason that they either hear my poetry or read my poetry is because they love and support me. But in turn, um, tell me that they really enjoy my poetry because it feels different to what they expected poetry to be. And I think what I gathered from a few people's responses of what they expect poetry to be is like shakespearean type of like deal where it's like very flowery with language and you know you have to like you have to dissect what the what blue means in this poem and yada like it's way too heavy with metaphors yeah and the way that i write poems they have flowery language because i think in general like innately if you're a poet you're gonna spice it up a little bit (laughs) with language um but i i feel like i leave less room for interpretation in my poems of just like you can take it the way that you want to however it relates to your life absolutely that can mean it but I'm I'm not blue doesn't usually mean anything unless I say like blue (laughs) means something um it might be a little rudimentary but um yeah I I think sometimes poetry feels scary because it feels like you have to analyze every single part of poetry and I have a poetry workshop that I join every Friday. And when we're analyzing poems, a lot of it is just like, I really like that they made this comparison from life to death and that's it. Or I just really love that they use this word to describe their brother. I think it's very sweet and very kind and it shows love for their for their sibling. Um, so yeah, I just... It's less scary when you approach it in a less analytical way. I think a lot of people look at poetry being like, I have to analyze every single piece of this. Yeah. I mean, not really. You can. Yeah. Okay. So it, it almost feels to me like it's a... Because um, I know I've read some of your work. Mm, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like... Um, the skill involved is I think like most creative medium is Mm -hmm. like the, the objective is to put what's up in the brain onto the page Mm -hmm. and however that comes out is the way it comes out and if people receive it, like the interpretation is, is flexible. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason I love poetry is that it can be anything. Like, I know a lot of people love Ruby Carr's poems because they're digestible. They're digestible, small pieces. I don't love Ruby Carr's works because of how small and digestible it is, but that's not saying that it's not good. It's just not for me, sure. right? Um, what I do appreciate from Ruby Carr's poem is that it gets people to read poetry and like be in a little bit more interested in poetry, even if it's small and digestible. She still has great works out there. They're a little bit more lengthy, a little bit more meaty in her subject, you know? 
um, not all poetry is uh, roses are red, violets are blue. <laughs> a lot of poems um, that I enjoy take a subject and describe every part of it in detail. I think that's what I love about some some poem, poets that I follow, like Terrence Hayes is one of my favorite poets out there. And what he does really well is that he might take this one subject, let's say um, he has a book called like the Amer uh, Poetry for American Sonnets or something like that. Um, and he just takes really small or things that we would take as like small subjects and breaks it down very intensely um, to not just say roses are red but he goes into detail why roses are red and what it means for rose to be red yeah. and i think that's very beautiful and that's a lot of my love for poetry yeah and that almost scares me for some reason <laughs> is the, the like the over analysis on let's describe everything and why mm -hmm. why the why question yeah I'm like, oh my, I'm overwhelmed, and now I'm afraid of roses. <laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> I can vividly think of every, yeah, yeah, yeah. vein, yeah, you know, whatever. I know, I know. I, I again, I think that's why a lot of people do stay away from poetry because there is, it takes small, mundane subjects and expands on them. But I, that is the art form of poetry: is taking maybe everyday experiences or experiences that are very personal to us and expanding on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, like, fiction is very much that, too. Uh, I think you take a subject and you expand on it in a novel. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that there is an expectation when reading poetry where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, like, you kind of go in reading knowing you're going to get broken down <laughs> and knowing there's going to be a lot of introspective. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, I'm, it feels, I, I imagine it could feel like work. It's like, it's just. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's so for the example that you brought up like it's so condensed as a piece and it mm -hmm. takes so much energy to break this thing you're Absolutely. just like yeah, yeah. it's it's like what poem i'm picking up today because it's that's there goes my day yeah no i i completely agree when i was um editing my book it was be between me and a friend of mine that basically like volunteered to edit mm -hmm. my book who i appreciate a ton um but you know, towards the end, I wanted it to be in my hands. So I edited like basically the final final of my book to where the poems landed, which section had what poems. And that broke me down. I remember sitting one night editing these poems, reading them over and over and over again, making sure they sounded right, making sure they were in the places that I wanted to basically opening up a lot of these wounds that I had written from. And I, I, I forget like what section I was in, but I was editing a poem and I just lost it. I like ended up just breaking down, sobbing, being like, I can't do this anymore. It hurts too much. Um, and to that point where I was just like, I don't know if I can release this book. It hurts too much. Um, but when you have people that pre-order your book, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> can't give that money yeah, back you literally have a deadline <laughs> no it's great the accountability feels important absolutely um but also you put yourself through a specific thing of real i mean that's just the challenge of like the the well, like the editing process i guess is what yeah. you're calling that the organization mm -hmm. having to revisit it all yeah back to back to back in such a short amount of time like and it's your stories too mm-hmm so I don't imagine uh, that 
being an everyday event that you're no. going to put yourself I, through that sort I of thing. I wouldn't suggest it if you are. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like torture. But, yeah. um, but you had your deadline. You had it pre-ordered. So Yeah, I had up. to. And, and like I said, I was working production at this time. So my deadline shifted so much because I couldn't work some days that I wanted to work. So there were, I think there was like a two or three week period where I was like, I have to have final poems in. And I was supposed to be editing this like two or three weeks ago, but I didn't have time. So I'm not only in my editing, I'm writing, I'm organizing. And it was, it was intense. It mm -hmm. was, it was the most satisfying and one of the hardest creative things I think I had done was to self-publish a book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what can you tell us about the actual book in terms of the number of poems included mm -hmm. over the span of the writing how it's chunked out like how did you go yeah. about all of that very yeah yeah how does that play so i had a manuscript in mind for a book a different book called pillow talk and that's what i thought was going to be my first book i had been collecting these poems since 2015 at 2015 when i said it, i was seriously taking or p taking poetry seriously that's when i knew that i wanted to write a book um, so I had a manuscript that had been gathering poems since 2015 and I had been adding to that ever since. And I just, I didn't really pay much time or attention to it. I was just like, I'm just going to keep adding poems that I want to be in this book yeah. in here. So when I finally came to the conclusion that I wanted to actually release a book in 2021, I looked at that manuscript and it wasn't what I wanted it to be anymore. There were some poems in there that I really loved and are in my book now, but the book itself didn't make sense. And I didn't, pillow talk no longer made sense to mm -hmm. me, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot of time. Yeah. A lot can change. <laughs> so much. So much Between change. Between 2015 and 2021. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Um, so what I ended up doing, the like I said, the title didn't fit anymore. And... Actually, I had my like Twitter name is Corazón de Seda and it's been Corazón de Seda for years. And when I, I don't know, I think I was looking one day like at my Twitter and just like fucking around. And I looked at that name and I was just like, that's, that's my book name. That's absolutely my book name. And I loved Corazón de Seda so much because like I said, in English, it means silk heart. And on the back of my book, I have a little describer as to why I named the book Corazón de Seda and it is kind of the in-between of being tender, but also still being very strong. I think people think being emotional or a little sensitive means that you can't be strong as a person. And I think I have a very uh, different quite, opinion <laughs> on that. It's quite the opposite, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I think as someone growing up, needing to be a brick house of emotions, like not letting anything stir you. Um, and now being at a point where I find strength in my emotions, uh, emotions and my sensitivity, um, I wanted to name the book something that kind of encapsulated me as a person. Um, but yeah, so that that's a book title. That's kind of where it began. Um, and when I wanted to write a book, I decided to break the book down in three parts via the name Corazón de Seda. So... We have it like in actual translation, it means heart of silk. <laughs> okay. Um, so I broke it down in heart of and silk. So there's an of section. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's an of section. Um, so wow. heart is love. I think that was a pretty 
obvious choice for me. Classic metaphor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so very, I have very poetic. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but each poem, a, a section has seven poems. Um, okay. So we have Corazon that has poems about love, of course. Um, I love writing about love. And some people say that um, we had a, re- a workshop recently where people are just like, stop writing about love. Or like, the, that's like advice that people had been given to them. Yeah. Because that's, I could, okay. Yeah. I could see, I can kind of get why it's yeah, like, okay, absolutely. if you're going to write po- because the, Again, the mm-hmm. expectation is if I'm going to jump into poetry, oh, mm-hmm. it's got to be lovey-dovey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's Absolutely. breaking the stereotype or whatever. Exactly. Sure. Um, but love is fun to write about. And love is, I, what I love about writing about love is that is so many different emotions in love. Love is heartbreak. Love is serendipities. Love is like tender and kind. Uh, love is scary. So I think, Love can't be overwritten because there's just so many ways to describe love. And it's so universal. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Like, come on. <laughs> you have to. You have to. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, there's my section about love. And then the of section was like the weirdest one that I had to like come up That's with. Cool. It's just like, what do I write about of? Um, and I basically ended up taking the of section and writing about like self poems poems about myself about my own journey so i have poems in there um describing my queerness i have poems in there describing um some past traumas that i've been through and how i've um, fought through them i have poems in there about how i feel about um kind of like social justice in the world right now um so it, it's a very, it's a poem about little parts of myself. And then I have Seda, Silk, that I dedicated to my family. So it's all poems about my family. So, yeah. I love it. <laughs> no, that sounds super cool. Yeah. And, okay, so the process, getting to the, the logistical element yeah. of being your coordinator self, getting mm-hmm. this thing done, you you. You said you it was a goal initially. You started developing mm-hmm. the manuscript in 2015, mm-hmm. but then once you started actually compiling that and putting it into a book form, yeah. I don't know, just for out of curiosity, how much time from uh, jumping into actually creating the book mm-hmm. to uh, its release? I decided fall-ish of 2020 that I wanted to release this book. So the ideation of the book started in like fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did I start looking at my poems till winter of 2020, and I released the book spring of 2021. Dang. Yeah. That's a pretty quick turnaround. So tight, tight de- deadline. <laughs> <That's> fast. <laughs> I was expecting... A year at least. I mean, I I specifically wanted to release this book on my 26th birthday. Okay. um, Because it felt like a good deadline for me and it felt like a good um, kind of uh, like... I don't know how to describe it, but it, it was like a marker. 100%. Um, yeah. So I felt like I needed to release it by my birthday, um, which I did. And that's why the deadline was so tight. <laughs> Uh, you, yeah. th- April seems so far away in the beginning of the year until it's four months in and you're in April. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like time could fly. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that makes perfect sense to me because I can bring it back to me really quick. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how, again, when I first moved to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I was 29 mm-hmm. and um, the first year goal was to make my first movie. Yeah. So it was important to me yep. to at least get it in the can. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't, the, I knew that it, be near impossible to shoot and edit and get it like that's not yeah. going to happen but at least i can have a movie shot yeah. and directed by the time i turn 30 there you go so i had september of of 2019 was kind of my self-imposed and something about mm-hmm. just the self-age of the mm-hmm. that's just aside from like the new year's recounting of the year it's mm-hmm. like you know, the, the individualistic yeah thing so setting it as your birthday no, very, yeah, yeah makes It's like total I, sense. I accomplished this before I turned this. Got old, by yeah. The t- <laughs> got old. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, you know, it was very personal to me, so it made sense for me to release it on a very personal date, like my birthday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's um, awesome. Mm. Great. I mean, just going through here. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's see. Um, all right. This was something you, I forget where I picked this up. It might have been on your Instagram or it might have been within an article slash poetry. I, I kind of looked at it like articles. It feels like an article. On oh, the, yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. So you had a question to yourself slash mm-hmm. readers, I guess, <laughs> to think about. But uh, it's a little bit meta, but you're asking about how have... If people that have read your work, mm. uh, do they treat you differently? Was mm. kind of a question you're posing to yourself. Yeah. Mid, I'll call it, in my perspective, like I almost read it as like a ramble. It's just like a train of thought. Like yeah. a, um, So at some point, it's like this whole like, wait, what are people thinking about me right now? Yeah. Am I going to get treated differently? Mm-hmm. I'm being very open. I'm, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, uh, okay. So I was curious on... If you actually have experience on uh, that specific note of, mm. let's just say, there's a before and after where you have a coworker mm. that you know, and then you release the stuff, and then the coworker reads it, and then there's like a different change of how you're treated, or mm. is, is that a thing? Um, um, I haven't picked up on it if someone has read my work and they either see me differently or think of me differently I think the scariest thing for me because I do write about love and my partnerships is when I show like a partner a poem or um, like a a new partner poems about love so um, my my current partner one of our like first dates I had like mentioned my book about and I just happened to have like a couple copies in my back um back of my car because I was sending them to a a store that wanted to sell them so he, he saw the books and he's like can I take one and I was super hesitant on it I was just like I mean sure <laughs> and it, it at that point it was like one I was nervous that I had like poems about like previous relationships in there but also I was just like I know that I've grown so much from even the release of this book until now so I was just like they're like there's some poems in there that I know could be better yada 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 and like he didn't care he was just like if you don't want me to take this book I won't (laughs) 
And I was like, no, 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 you can take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, he didn't. He didn't treat me any differently. He didn't get scared away or anything after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> um. No, it's funny that you kind of take it back to the structuralness yeah. of the. It's like. It's like mm-hmm. we're not reading it, analyzing your structure. We're not poets. We're not yeah. part of your workshop trying to <laughs> dissect what, like, what we're just reading yeah. it. Yeah. You um, support me and you just want to, like, read things. And that, you know, again, I, I love all my friends because they have really picked up poetry because oh, I'm awesome. a, a poet. Um, but, yeah, I just, I forget about that. I think I know the piece that you're talking about. I think it's, like, uh, something about shadow work, like, intro to shadow work or something. Something. And I, I get to a point where I'm talking about vulnerability, and I'm just, like, well, when someone reads this, because I'm talking about how, like, how destructive I know my I can be, and I'm scared about that destructive side, Um and then I get to one of the points where I'm just like, well, when someone reads this, me exposing myself a little bit of how like my brain works. Oh, so when someone reads this, are they going to be, they're going to look at me different and they're going to be like, okay, she's like crazy. And she's like, yada, yada, like, yada, yada, yada. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, my job reads that I'm screwed. Um, you no, but thought I, you had it together, Nancy. <laughs> yeah. What is going on outside of work? Um, no, but, <laughs> but I think that's where, that's where my mind goes a lot where I'm just like, if I, expose the ugly parts of myself because I think as someone that enjoys having control in her life and has had to learn to let that go quite a bit Mm -hmm. um I get scared when I'm just like what what happens when I am not this polished person that you fell in love with like what happens there um are you still gonna stay are you gonna leave and I always feel like they're gonna leave and I've been proven time and time again with really close friends of mine that like hey we don't care if you have like bad times we love you regardless 100%. and I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> and, and then, then we go back and cry about that. yeah I'm gonna absolutely <laughs> sob about this <laughs> no it's amazing yeah because I think about at the end of the day every mm. it's is the the classic thing of just the being the being more open with mm. thyself and putting it out there especially especially in a creative yeah poetic experienced wordsmith way i'll say <laughs> it is uh it's very effective in yeah. um it's just the relatability factor again is like i feel like everybody in some capacity or another can relate to the circumstances that are being described on like the over analysis, the fear of rejection, the like, if I show who I really am. And then at the end of the day too, if the, and you know, this is I'm sure, (laughs) or maybe, you know, it's like you mentioned the close friends are still here regardless of, uh, I mean, you showing yourself, solidifies your circle absolutely so the more you hold yourself back the like, probably the less you know about who's around you absolutely and i so. think it what i've found out throughout the years of like letting those walls down and not feeling like i have to 
be this strong person all the time that I don't have to be this polished person it's okay to be messy and if anything people like you when you're a little messier because you're just like oh this person isn't perfect great (laughs) I think you end up doing a disservice to yourself when you are that um that closed off to even allowing yourself to feel feelings I know like that's a term that's thrown around in therapy all the time it's like feel your feelings and people are like what does that mean yeah yeah (laughs) um but it basically is just being honest with yourself and when you're sad allowing yourself to be sad and when you're angry allowing yourself to be angry what however that comes off I'm a big believer of just like as long as you're not harming other people like you're good (laughs) like you're probably good um but yeah yeah and ideally you're you're loving other people yeah yes yeah opposite of harm yeah (laughs) um no i could almost think about taking that approach through the entirety i mean that's like a life lesson in general Mm -hmm. because i almost just when you're talking about it i'm thinking about set life (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, absolutely absolutely (laughs) so uh like being a director for Mm -hmm. instance um it's it uh a team could lose faith in a leader when they mm-hmm. aren't revealing that they're actually having a tough time getting through it. It's like, yeah. we, we know you're struggling to communicate this. Yeah. And instead of lashing out that we don't understand or whatever, just explain, guys, I could use some assistance. Yeah. This is what I'm trying to get through. Whatever. Just Absolutely. The reveal of, um, yeah, just yeah. that we're not perfect because... Uh, because we're not <laughs> we're not i mean i've had many times on set where like again i'm not a perfect person so as much as i try to care and put my crew first there are moments where like i get really frustrated when something's not happening when i think it should happen and i might like get an attitude um i don't think i've ever yelled thank god because i don't think yelling's ever necessary on a set unless you're shouting time <laughs> um <laughs> but I, I, I've noticed moments where I get frustrated and I catch an attitude with one of my crew members and I immediately catch myself and maybe not in the moment, but after a, like a scene or something. After I've, lunch. After lunch, <laughs> when we've all eaten and are not hangry anymore. Um, but I've pulled people aside being like, I'm sorry. I, you didn't, I was upset. You didn't deserve to get the attitude. And it's so easy. I think people, I think apologizing is very scary for people because then it admits fault to yourself that you've done something wrong. Um, but it's, it solves so many things when you just take accountability for yourself and you're just like, I was a bit of a bitch back there and I'm very sorry about that. You didn't deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. It, it is. I think about, there's moments on, um, on, a. Uh, on a feature I was directing mm-hmm. recently where uh, I know it was like a morning where something just felt off in general mm. and everybody was kind of irritable that morning. Mm. Love those sets. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like you kind of said, like in, in the moment you can kind of realize that mm-hmm. something is off. Yeah. And I, I remember having the realization and I'm just like, Hey DP Max, I, something's off right now (laughs) i apologize for how this is going Mm -hmm. i'm still off right now yeah i don't know when we'll be on i don't know it was and after lunch everything was better it's always after lunch it's always (laughs) after lunch (laughs) so it was just weird yeah yeah either way yeah 100 i get that um okay let's 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 I'm going to ask a really random one. Go for it. 
just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. This is just based off Instagram, I but lo- I wanted more context. It. This is almost like, um, all right, uh, Critter Country. Critter Country! <laughs> <laughs> I am, okay, this is, what is Critter Country? And why are you so excited about it? So, Critter, so, okay. <laughs> critter Country is in Disneyland. Um, which, and, which park? Um, California Adventure or Disneyland? Uh, Dis- Disneyland. Um, uh, the, California. Yeah, in, in California. And I ha- I have not been to Disneyland this Tuesday was the first time that I had ever been to Disneyland. And oh, wow. I've lived in California for five years at this point. And Critter Country is what you're posting about. <laughs> um, I So I had told this to my partner that I had never been to Disneyland. And he randomly bought us tickets to go to Disneyland on Tuesday. Amazing. He's a very sweet boy. Um, and... I don't know why, but I thought it was hilarious that the only picture pl- like of a place that I had taken on my phone was of Critter Country. I didn't take any photos of Star Wars land. I didn't take any photos of the castle, of anything else but Critter Country. And I was like, yeah, this is great. My like my partner is like from Texas and looks like climbing shit and is like very like roughhousey. And I was just like, these two photos make sense. Critter country and the back of his head. We love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily that, that critter country was a highlight yeah. of the day. I mean, I went canoeing in critter country and it was great. Okay. So <laughs> it was just me trying to be a comedian. Gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. I thought it was, I couldn't tell if it was a joke or, because my assumption is that, that you had been in Disneyland before already. No. no. Maybe I didn't read the post at all. No, that's okay. It literally said, I can't believe I went to Critter Country today. I think it was literally the oh, caption. okay. That was a joke. Yeah. That's yeah. why I was confused. No, you're good. Because <laughs> um, uh, it doesn't even seem like it's based on any sort of specific IP. Like I'm really. No. It, I could literally post that. And people would think that's an actual amusement park. Like, it just by itself. I googled it. (laughs) I I googled it and I'm like, where's Critter Country? Where is Critter? I want there to be now a solely Critter Country amusement park, like near Knott's Berry Farms or something. Yeah, they have canoeing. (laughs) Yeah. And critters. And turkey legs or something. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, that was that. (laughs) Yeah, Critter Country. Yeah, because I mean, I was. I want to go back to Disneyland mm-hmm. soon. And I was debating between which park to go. But mm-hmm. you didn't have the choice. The tickets were purchased. Yes. You showed up. Yeah. And either way, it was going to be a brand new experience because you yeah. need to been to either side. Exactly. I mean... It's probably the, the better side to go on. Oh, anyway. absolutely. I As someone that like enjoys Disney but isn't like a Disney fanatic... Um, I really loved um, that part of Disney because of Star Wars land. We went on like a gloomier day and it like they had just designed this this part of the park so well that when it looked gloomy, it looked like we were potentially in a scene of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and it was great. Everyone was in character. The rides that are there amazing um i've heard good things i suggest it i also suggest getting the genie pass which is like their fast pass it's worth it it's the new fast pass it's the new fast pass and it's uh i know but it's so worth it because you put yourself down um like as a wait list and they'll tell you to come to the ride between this time and that time the fast pass used to be okay I've no, I have yeah, no I heard about experience. That. They got rid of the fast pass, and then got now it's paid. You have to pay for it now. 
before it was free. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I guess that sucks. If it was free before, that absolutely does suck. But get the genie pass. It's but much buy, better. Yeah, buy the genie pass. It's worth well, it. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Because initially, yeah, no, I get it. Anyway, I don't have to analyze Disneyland's... Uh, I mean, everything costs so much money. We uh, we brought our like own really large smart waters in, and I had like made us sandwiches. Um, and we probably saved at least forty or fifty bucks on food and water just because of that. (laughs) Okay, noted. Noted. I know I want to get soft serve ice cream. Dole Whip is the most amazing thing in the world. Oh, they have a loaded Dole Whip, and I got raspberry mango. It's so. Load, oh, loaded makes it what? Well, load it so you get the swirl and then you get um syrup. You get the the tahin and chamoy and everything. It's like um, have you ever gotten fruit cups from like a street cart out in LA where they put like this red yeah, sauce type yeah. of thing? It's that, but okay. with soft serve and it's amazing. Gotcha. That sounds great. <laughs> it's great. I'll, get two, I'll have two, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Okay, great. Yeah, we just end on Dole Whip. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Chanel. Um, okay, now I want to jump back into a more, that's not topical, for instance, yeah, yeah. but I am curious to get your take because this is a descriptor of yourself on your Instagram. Oh, fun. <laughs> and I was curious. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what you know about my background. Um, I am based off the DNA s- scans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am one third like Native American, mm-hmm. and then two thirds Hispanic, mm-hmm. uh, Spain mm-hmm. Spanish descent, and I call myself Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, you describe yourself on your Instagram as Latinx. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> I remember I I watched this new show. You're probably familiar to Philip Philip DeFranco on mm-hmm. YouTube. Yeah. I've been watching him for a billion years. Yeah. <laughs> One of his stories at one point, he was talking about the article that some study from some university, some university did the like some mm-hmm. national polling mm-hmm. on the Latin Hispanic community mm-hmm. uh, population, yeah, and found like on what the thoughts were on the Latinx. Uh, are you familiar with? The oh story? yeah, like uh, whether they like the X or not. Yeah, the actual mm-hmm. Latin people. Yeah, yeah, and. Most of them hate it. (laughs) Yeah, 71% self uh, describe as Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's where I where I I sit. Um, 17% Latina, Latino. Nine percent something else. I don't know what that means. Someone else. What is something else? I have no idea what something else like, could be. Like Chicano. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, that makes sense. That that would make sense. One <laughs> percent no answer. Two uh, percent Latinx. And there was responses on actually it's offensive, like that it's actually a negative hmm. effect thought. Interesting. On, on like the classic, like, we didn't decide, like mm. we didn't ask for this. Yeah. But being that you put it, like, how do you feel about the? I mean, like, the I, I don't put, I don't put my th- yeah. How does the? Yeah. How do you? I mean, I labels are dumb. I'm going to start off with that. Labels are so dumb. For sure. Um, you know, I it's the reason I identify as queer because it's the most comfortable LGBTQ um label I I'm comfortable with. Um you know, I if you want to break it down, I'm pansexual and I 
um, am a cisgendered person, like woman, um, that, but I don't care what you call me. You can try to call me he offensively and I just won't care. I just, yeah. re- I really could not care less because at the end of the day, I know who I am and what I'm comfortable with. Um, and I, I, I kind of, the reason I put Latinx is for the non-binariness of it, you know, um, again, I just like, I I could put Latina and not care just equally as much. I could put Latino and not care equally as much. So I think I think I pick and choose my battles. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and I, I've seen those arguments where people are heated, like so, so mad about the X in Latinx. Okay. And a part of me is just like, it, it's I feel the same way when people get really mad when people identify themselves as they them I'm just like well how does that affect you if that's how they choose to identify why are you so, so mad about this right I don't I don't understand the anger behind it truly I don't right <laughs> yes no, no most definitely people for some reason want to uh con- offer some sort of control over how of others people it's, yeah. it's the insecurities in them in themselves it's mm-hmm. always a projection of yeah. their own insecurity it's not even in a uh, yeah mm-hmm. and i think i i could be very wrong about this so don't quote me as facts here but i think latinx has been around like it's not just a new age 2020 thing like it, it has been a de- identifier around since like probably the 80s or 90s like i said don't quote me this is off memory <laughs> um but it's like it's an identifier that's been around and people just don't like that it. That reminds me <laughs> of um, nephew mm-hmm. and niece. Mm-hmm. You know the term for the... Uh, the one in the middle? The the non-gender describing uh, uh, sibling. Not, uh, no, it's because sobrina, sobrinos. The child, the child... Oh, I mean in English. Oh, in English. The, the child of uh, of a sibling... Jeez, the child of a brother or sister. Yeah, there's a word for that. Yeah, that's not niece or nephew. It's it's a nibbling. It's a nibbling. <laughs> oh my god, that's so sweet. I love that. And if you you can go like on, I don't, I forget which site you can like search words and see the historical tracking mm-hmm. of usage. Like it's yeah, that's how you describe the yeah. Latinx yeah. thing. Is it's it's been it's been in the zeitgeist yeah. since like the 70s or 60s yeah. or something yeah but if you look at the trends it like spiked just like you know seven years ago exactly or oh i i'm gonna be using nibbling so That's i'm in on to word. like seven kids and they're gonna hate me for it <laughs> oh my nibblings <laughs> no it sounds like niblets like yeah. i don't know <laughs> I think that's why I love it. And I have a, a like I have my some of my nephews are old. Like my nephews are I have some nephews in their twenties already. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, you will be this cute. I know you're six foot four, but I will be calling you my nibbling. <laughs> and they're gonna hate it. Yeah. Please, please take that home. Uh, and let's normalize. <laughs> We're claiming nibbling back in twenty twenty one. 2022 <laughs> oh my god i'm not used to it yet i'm sorry yeah, <laughs> we're still new okay yeah but i guess i'm mostly curious about this latinx thing just mm-hmm. because i'm i'm like I'm, i don't know how 
no, no, I don't yeah. think really anybody cares about my opinion on it. So <laughs> I just don't put it. I don't put it out there. I don't bring it up. But yeah. I do know. I remember I was on set once, and somebody you, you probably get it a lot too. I'm like, mm. what are you? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And um, somebody he was trying to guess. I don't know why you <laughs> just don't guess. They do. Just ask. He's like, so are you Latin? Mm-hmm. He was asking me if I was Latin. Okay. And I totally did not know what he was asking me. Mm. I'm like, he just took off the Latin. There's no X, O, or A. It's yeah, just yeah. Latin. Latin. Well, so when I thought of Latin, I was thinking of the language. <laughs> I'm like, Latin, is that like yeah. Greece? Is yeah, that, yeah, where, does, like, where? where does Latin originate? Yeah. Oh, so it was like Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I totally didn't even just clock blanked. it as. I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think I... Again, this is why, like, I don't really care about labels because I've been so fluid with what I've identified myself ethnic-wise to. Mm-hmm. For a very long time, I, like, named myself uh, or labeled myself Hispanic. And then I had friends that were, like, Hispanic or, like, people from Spain, pretty much. Like, that's... Uh, I for Again, don't quote me on anything, but <laughs> this is, like, what I remember the conversation. And they're like, you you would probably be Latin because you're from Spanish-speaking countries, but you're not, fr- like, you're parents aren't from spain i was like all right i feel i like this better anyways i will call myself latin <laughs> moving forward it rolls off the tongue better when you speak it in was spanish this, was this another latin person helping you this, find a, your this was a hispanic person telling me <laughs> <laughs> this, this is that's why i'm just like it's so it's so silly like it really is so silly like i at one point instead of putting uh latinx i was just gonna put dominican salvadorian <laughs> I was just like, fuck it. You have no room to guess. This is where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say Earth. <laughs> I'm from Earth. <laughs> you know, that's well, actually, what else do you, you know what? Know? That's it's... better. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's like, why? It's, you know, my follow up question is always mm-hmm. in my head. Like, mm-hmm. why yeah. does it matter? It, it truly shouldn't. It really shouldn't matter. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. So, I understand anyway. it like creates I understand why labels exist they create a sense of community but <laughs> why can't we uh, just, just um, the amount of fights that we get into more because of labels well, there's there's too many labels <laughs> there's so many labels there's uh, so many labels well because like on set we segregate into d- mm-hmm. departments, departments. Mm-hmm. so when we break for lunch as a script supervisor mm-hmm. I'm like lonely yeah you're like where do i when am i next department of one (laughs) so i sit by myself or with the sound person oh sound (laughs) let's unite i love sound sound was always my favorite crew member when i was a pa because they were the only crew members that would actually help me help you with what well like i remember in house hunters specifically when i was working um as a pa whenever i'm like the only person that's unloading the truck and the only person loading the truck like wow sometimes not even my producer would help me and whenever i was carrying like 40 fucking c stands to set the only person that would like as see me sh- yeah as a pa sounds like a best boy or mm-hmm. something okay oh yeah, yeah best <laughs> trust girl i don't know how yep. it works a best person i don't know um no but i i would be the only one unloading everything and time and time again when i needed help or like looked like i was struggling because of course i wasn't asking for help as a pa because i wanted to prove myself um the sound person would drop their um their mic pack and help me so ever since House Hunters, I was just like, I will die for a sound person. That's awesome. 
good job, sound person. Thank you, sound. Helping, uh, <laughs> for yeah, both of you doing a job that neither should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your ceramist experiences. Because mm-hmm. you describe yourself as an occasional <laughs> ceramist. Yeah. It's not a ceramicist. It's ceramist, a ceramist. I think. Yeah. How has that a th- yeah? How, <laughs> is that a uh, quarantine lockdown thing that started, or were you into it pre? Is this a childhood dream? Did <laughs> <laughs> always wanted to be a ceramist. Um, so I I took like art three D and art AD class or AP, AP classes in high school. Okay. So I was like in fancy art classes. I'm like not an artist by trade. Like I just liked it a lot and that was like the classes that i chose to take like really creative creative outlets are great exactly um so i had been messing around with clay since i was in high school but this was actually a pre-smosh thing i had started taking um i i think ceramic classes or actually i think like beginning smosh thing where i started taking ceramic classes because i wanted a creative outlet and um there's something about using your hands for an art form that feels very cathartic and that's what I loved about working with clay and I call myself an occasional ceramist because it's not like I don't rely on it for like any type of income or anything yeah it's a hobby it's very much a hobby which I like keeping my hobbies hobbies I think we're again going back to hustle mentality everyone feels like you need to make your hobbies into side jobs and that is not true (laughs) you can keep your hobbies hobbies um so like occasionally I'll just have an idea to make a collection like for Halloween I made like these like ghost collection things with little plates and um instance diffusers and cups and everything so when I have that like want to make a collection I'll sell those but recently like I made like a teapot for my partner and I made like this like ashtray for my best friend and I made this other bowl for myself because I wanted to so and this is through a consistent class or I mean workshop or where do you how does that work yeah so I took a four-week class back in like I said 2018 2019 and I kind of just really liked it. I really liked the studio that I was working with. I actually was at an art um, place, uh, art store, right before I came here. <laughs> um, nice. So I just had this conversation with someone. But it's called The Pottery Studio in L.A. And they are probably the most reasonably pl- priced classes and memberships that I've ever seen um, in the LA area. Love it. Yeah. So, so there was a four week course and the person that I was talking to at um, this art store was just like, yeah, like I was talking to someone and they were telling me that their classes were, you couldn't like veer off course as to what you were making and you could only make like four cups and it was $300. And I was like, that's dumb that's so much money to make such little things um my membership included 24 access to the studio 24 7 access to the studio included unlimited amount of clay that you can use unlimited projects that you can use you just basically the class met once a week and that's what you were required to go to other than that you can make whatever you want you can go in and practice as much as you want okay and the classes were still focused yeah in that same thing where you don't want to veer off because you're there mm-hmm. to learn the specific exactly trade or 
Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think with my particular class, we were learning how to make um, bowls and cups because they both kind of start off the same as like a cylinder. And they both really practice um, on a wheel the specific throwing methods that you need to use to, to throw a cup and or a bowl. So in the classes that we were doing, but outside of classes, I was like throwing everything. I was like anything that I could try to make just so I could practice on how to center yeah. clay. Um, that's what I was doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Getting your hands dirty in there. That yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. It's, you know, consistent practice makes perfect. <laughs> they, they say it for a reason. You know? They say it. I'm still <laughs> not like. I love throwing on a wheel because I think you can make really cool things, but I also hate it because centering clay is the hardest thing to okay. do as uh, like, that's my personal opinion What's where I'm the like, term? is it called throwing clay? Yeah. It's what? throwing on the wheel. So like you're on the wheel and you're throwing clay. It sounds so cool. It's, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mostly hand build now because I like, um, just being able to like really mold the clay the way I want to and not needing to worry that if it's like uncentered, it's going to be messed up. So, yeah. yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Throwing clay. Throwing clay. That's the name of my next short film. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, all right. I imagine. Okay. I'm going to wind this down. Amazing. Um, with this is not a simple topic. <laughs> um, there's two two quick easy ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One's gonna be a little bit. I don't want to dive too deep here, but mm -hmm. uh, one of them's easier. Okay. Question number one. Amazing. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna throw a word out. I forget if I pulled this. From where? Okay, but regardless, it's just called jealousy. Oh yeah. Um. What does that make you think of? <laughs> what does it make you feel? Yeah, in terms um, of uh, yeah, feeling it, um, not feeling it. How do? What role does jealousy play for you? Has it played? Does it play? Those are. <laughs> Yeah, those are my questions. Past, that, present, future. Yeah. Um, I think it. I don't believe there's any bad or good emotions. I just think it's your reactions. And I think for a long time, um, same thing with anger. I didn't like expressing my jealousy or um, or anything because I was just like, that's going to make me seem like a insecure, like bad person. So in the past, I think I related jealousy with insecurity quite a bit. Um, and now I think I've, I'm not trying to like claim the term to be anything different than it is, but I think I recognize that I do have moments where I like covet what others have and become a little jealous as to why they have it. And I don't, um, and I just make sure that it doesn't overtake why I do things because I think doing things because others have it and I don't is not the greatest motivation because it's a very fickle um, the motivation to have. So I recognize the jealousy for me now where I'm just like, hmm, well, this poet is getting book deals or they're getting recognized by the institutions that I want to get recognized by. So instead of being like, fuck that person, like, why do they have it? And I don't, I'm like, okay, I just got to work hard now. Like I got to work. They, 
they got there somehow. I just got to actually put myself out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a helps light keep light light the fire or yeah. inspire versus no. the other. Is that yeah, the I I mean I think ultimately one I don't want to again ever be motivated because someone has something and I don't I don't think that's a great motivation. Gotcha. I mean for me personally, some people it might be. Um, I I think I try to recognize jealousy for what it is, which is me actually wanting something that someone has that I don't, but then putting that aside and being like, okay, so how do I get there myself? Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know like that uh, jealousy. Well, cause (laughs) creative industry is too hard. Um, yeah. and jealousy it's a classic thing yeah with anything else. i mean there's always going to be somebody better yeah there's yes, always going to be somebody doing more somebody mm-hmm. working harder absolutely <laughs> so it's just like an, an uphill battle you can never mm-hmm. win <laughs> yeah i i think so. i um i think one of the best examples of like jealousy I didn't let overtake my my motivation was when I went to a poetry reading and heard this um really really talented girl read from her book um and I found out she was like younger than me and she just got started in the poetry scene like actual poetry scene way younger than me like in high school middle school probably you know like I said I didn't really start taking poetry seriously till I was in college like a junior in college senior probably um so instead of being like well if I had just started earlier or if I (laughs) like this that and the third I probably would be just as successful or more successful instead of going to that mindset that I think you can very easily get into when you look at someone else's success, I, I, what I ended up doing is that I heard one of her poems and she described what the type of poem was, which was a crown of sonnets. And I thought it was so cool. And instead of going like, well, I, I wish I would have known what a crown of sonnets was when I was fucking 22. Like I wish I was like, cool i'm gonna work on a crown of sonnets now because i thought it was super super cool um and that's kind of like an example of like taking jealousy recognizing that you do want something that someone else has but instead of it coming from a place of like weird like malice and like bad feelings it's i took it as like a learning thing where i'm just like okay yeah i didn't know what this meant like when i was 20 22 but i do now at like 26 27 so i'm gonna do it now great <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yes no i think about two examples from my own mm-hmm. life tell me them uh <sighs> during 2020 Mm. um (laughs) (laughs) it literally feels like yesterday and we're two years away (laughs) uh there was the you know production uh, i I was i I didn't have you know i wasn't working Mm -hmm. um for the bulk of uh that year i know towards the end of the year stuff was kind of coming back yeah it was sketchy stuff absolutely um so like early in 2021 um like I was just, I almost felt like in, not that I've been to prison, <laughs> but it felt like yeah. you didn't know how long the sentence was. Yeah. So it was, you wake up and you just have a day to burn. Yeah. And you're just, 
you, you have your one, your one, your you have your cell, and yeah. you just, you're like, I eat at these times of the day, <laughs> and you just try to yeah. make the best of it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have much creative energy whatsoever to yeah. expel. So, Absolutely. uh, it was maybe around this time of year, last year, um, was on Instagram. Mm, love Instagram. <laughs> People, uh, it was the South by Southwest oh, film yeah. festival. Like everybody, like kind of like right now, Sundance is going on right now. Yeah. Um, and I follow a lot of filmmakers. Mm. So I remember last year there was a filmmaker specifically that posted about getting their feature accepted into South by. And I was mm. like, and the thing that inspired me versus sp- sp- spun mm. me into yeah, the like, jealousy yeah. lane was she had like a nice blurb underneath about how they did it. Mm. And she was like, it's uh, essentially like a four person team mm-hmm. that took time off. Like, got like a airbnb the two directors also did sound and camera and the two actors were also writer background and so they just kind of went and made a thing just for people essentially and i'm like oh my gosh like i could do that that's feasible yeah i could do that i have tons of hungry creative friends Mm -hmm. so then that relit me and my oh my gosh I have they're like it re yeah they got me going yeah, again. Reignited everything. Yeah. <sighs> so helpful. Jeez, yeah. that was so cool. Yeah. Um. And, but then I also, th- and then um, thinking about the starting younger thing, like mm. I kind of joked about moving. I moved here at twenty nine, mm. and I didn't really discover like script supervising until. Yeah, I didn't start working as a script supervisor until I moved here. Yeah. Like, I discovered it the year before. I mm-hmm. took a workshop for it. And I had been, like, making stuff yeah. in Reno. Super, super just self, just learn as you go kind of yeah. thing. Um, so then when I think about, like, I'll have a director on the podcast that's 20 years old mm-hmm. that knew she wanted to be a director since she was 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. <laughs> like, I'm just going going with the flow so yeah, no for good sure. for people that keep with it <laughs> so no i just think it's well yeah it's awesome and it's just like cool it's you it's awesome that you kind of knew what you wanted to do yeah well and i just if anything i just want to support you mm-hmm. and i think you're doing cool stuff and i wish in a way that i knew but then you flip then i flip it in my head too or like yeah. well I did five five years of engineering mm-hmm. degree, and then yeah. I did this other experience, and yeah. just age aging in general. Is yeah, life is an experience. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> so there's other pluses you can flip on. Yeah, you know, where where you are, yeah, and what and you bring. Yeah, and I I that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, after I quit production, I transitioned to this uh, creative recruiter cr- career. So basically, I work for a staffing agency and I hire creative employees. Um, I just hired like two people yesterday and it was really cool. Um, but it's something that like the reason I've been so successful in it and I've only been doing this for six months five six months the reason i'm so successful is because i have 10 years of creative background so i know when someone is asking for a graphic designer what to look for i know when someone's asking for a post-production manager i know what they're looking for when they're looking for a producer i know what they're looking for so 
yeah, like it's, it's a career path. I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know what I think people have been asking me. They're like, Oh, what's like your goal in recruiting? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I didn't know this was a job till like a year ago. And I just got into it. Um, all I know is that it, has given me so much stability in my life. It's given me mental health. It's given me time to be creative again. I like write every weekend. I edit every weekend. I have goals to submit to places now because I have the time to do it and the space to do it now. And on top of it, it has this innate goal where I get to help people. And I think that's always been a common goal of any job I've wanted to do is to help people. So when I get to call someone and say, hey, they loved your interview, you got the job and they're really excited and thankful that I helped them through the process, that feels fulfilling to me. So yeah, I don't know where it's taking me. All I know is that right now it's where I need to be. I thought I felt an earthquake, sorry. <laughs> it's been so windy. I it's think just it a just wind. Was your words <laughs> away. <laughs> that, that shook me. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's a great that's a great segue out of the out of the out of the show. Yeah. But um, no, for sure on like what you're headed towards and uh, the unknown and yeah. stability and being a nice because mm-hmm. yeah, you were kind of joking that half joking that mm-hmm. 2021 was crazy and that's yeah. kind of a part of why we weren't able to yeah. solidify something because it was just stuff was flying everywhere yeah it was either i was okay that day and i wasn't okay the next day and i couldn't see people like i said it was one of the hardest years for depression and i didn't get out of it till like literally like early mid fall Mm -hmm. so it was like my entire spring and summer was just me in a really bad place um and then when i started getting back to being a person (laughs) like just being a human being i needed time to like become stable again and again like i said five to six months later you know i'm at a place where i can take on more things because it feels safe um and i'm not going to put myself in a in a place where i'm gonna break again so so hard like i broke yes you know lessons learned lessons learned (laughs) take care of yourself it's super important (laughs) for sure great no 100 percent. love it i'm just a hallmark card it's fine (laughs) (laughs) all right so last 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 question is um for people that want Mm -hmm. to you know follow the nancy journey where do where's the best place to um keep up I think Instagram is where I post the most professional updates, <laughs> whether it be about my poetry or any ceramics that I'm doing, or just if you want to see me dance silly, because I do that a lot where I'm just dancing on my Instagram. If you want to dance with me, um, <laughs> my Instagram is Nancy A Z as in zebra, C as in cat. I have to do that all the time because once I say Nancy A Z C, everyone's like, I missed those two last letters. <laughs> okay, great. Um, but yeah. Mainly Instagram, if you somehow find your way to my TikTok, it's there too. <laughs> yeah, good luck there. I thought you were going to mention the Twitter too. <laughs> I don't know what goes on on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, again, the most professional updates is Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. I just shit post a lot. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm here for the ride. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. <laughs> Love. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I guess that's it. All right. Ah. Thanks for listening and bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. (laughs)